0: Okay, perfect. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Good Vibes. My name is Marianne, and today I'm joined by two extremely excellent young people, Connor Allen and Harrison Winray, who are both currently student representatives in the Monash University Queer Health Collective, a group that's dedicated to improving queer health in both health professionals and within the community. They're currently involved in, but also not limited to, um, advocating for LGBTQIA plus representation and, and equity within the health profession. A warm welcome to you both. Thank you so much for joining me in on this podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Hey, so um, just to start us all off, my introduction is probably super, super subpar compared to um, you both introducing yourselves. So please tell us a little bit about yourselves.
2: Sure. Um, I'm happy to jump in. So I'm Connor. I'm a fourth year undergraduate graduate uh, med student at Monash, rotating through my psychiatry rotation at the moment. And I identify as a a cis gay man, I use he, him pronouns, Um, let's see, outside of that, I'm a huge Barbara Streisand fan, Um, can't wait for musicals to come back, and honestly, if you can make a good Long Island iced tea, you will, yeah, please me, so that's me.
1: And uh, hi, my name's Harrison Winrow, and um, I'm just a little baby first-year postgrad med student. Um, so I grew up in a farm in northeast Victoria, some country boy, um, and yes, also love a Long Island iced tea. Um, and yeah, same goes. I identify as cis man, use he/him pronouns, uh, identify as gay, and yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Oh, and I like photography. It's probably a fun fact. <laughs>
0: Perfect. So obviously this podcast is going to be more focused on the sexual health aspects, however, um, I do propose that sexual health and queer health are both extremely intrinsically linked and they can't necessarily be separated, so would you both agree on that? Yeah, I'd say there's definitely a lot of overlap.
2: Absolutely, you know, so much of my queer identity is linked to who I am sexually and my sex life, so absolutely intrinsically linked.
0: So to begin, do uh, both of you have any like personal anecdotal experiences within healthcare in regards to your sexual health?
1: Yeah um, I remember I, I remember I saw I've had two sort of occasions. Um, one specifically related to um, like my uh, sexual identity as far as being gay and one just in a general sort of sexual health um, experience with a doctor. So, um, one thing I like to do is I just like add STD checks to my blood work whenever I get them done even though I probably have no reason to be worried like I'm in a committed relationship but I just do it just because why not um, and I remember my doctor when I asked for like chlamydia and like gonorrhea I just asked for the full lot and she just like turned to me and she's like oh are you sexually active and was like shocked and surprised and I was like okay rude um, but also like it's normal at my age to be sexually active. So I feel like the way it was handled wasn't ideal. And then same doctor actually, I went back and, um, cause I was worried, I was concerned that I might've had a UTI and just wanted to get it confirmed or treated. Um, and then, yep, she got everything sorted, walked out of the room and then she walked back into the room after our initial like conversation. And she turned to me and she it was, again, very abrupt, but it was like along the lines of, oh, are you gay or like, are you homosexual? But like even the tone, she said it was just very so abrupt. And I was like really taken aback, even though I don't mind answering that question. So, yeah, they've been my two probably most memorable experiences.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And look, I've I've had so many encounters, you know, with healthcare, both as a student, but also as a patient in terms of Uh, my queer identity and my sexual health. So um, one thing that comes to mind is as a patient, actually, and, you know, um, when you're on PrEP as a medication, you do have regular sexual health screenings. And I remember going to one uh, particular screening where the, I think it was my doctor, it was a new doctor. um, And he asked me if I had been engaged in oral or uh, vaginal sex. And I said, I sort of just looked ahead him, I said, honey, you know, I, I engage in anal sex, and oral sex, and he was sort of taken back. He was like, you know, it's sort of distressing that, you know, GPs are taken aback by these sort of questions. I mean, it's, it's also the fact that applying to the context, I am here for a prep script and prep screening. So, you know, I think it's really important, uh, you know, particularly myself as a med student and those in my cohort as well, that we keep an open mind and we do ask questions without making assumptions. I think that's sort of, One of the biggest things that have made me um, as a queer patient feel at times, um, and not purposely, but at times, you know, yeah, not fully navigated appropriately. And another instance, um, I suppose, as a medical student, I I remember having a, um, entering my, one of my first days in fourth year and on my women's health rotation. And just being very scared and very afraid and, you know, totally new territory in terms of fourth year being placement and last year was not placement and having a queer identifying registrar um, actually made such a big difference. And, you know, I think having queer role models in healthcare really does sort of empower us to have something to strive for, but also have something to sort of connect us as a community within the profession, for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and evidently from both of your examples or actually the many examples that we've brought up already, there has been a lot of failures within the healthcare profession regarding care for patients coming in with sexual health dilemmas, and especially patients with um, who identify as queer in health. Um, do you see any other areas that really need improvements in the healthcare industry in regards to these at all? Sorry, that might be a little bit unclear. <laughs> Let me just rephrase that question. Um, so we've mentioned a couple of failures Um, are there further areas in which you feel that improvement could be sought within healthcare regarding queer health and sexual health
2: yeah i mean one that jumps out to me is uh at the medical student stage actually sort of uh, educating students properly about you know issues that queer individuals face and i'm not talking about the stock standard once a year gay men with hiv lecture you know let's actually delve into the healthcare of trans patients and gender diverse patients and the mental health side as well i think there's so much there that really needs to be augmented in our curriculum and because we are you know even now i'm in my fourth year and i'm a queer person and i still feel I'm prepared and unequipped to deal with some certain scenarios coming out of med school so that's an area that i think needs improvement for sure
1: yeah um I must say, like getting to um, postgrad studies, I can notice a real clear difference in terms of the uni making a bit more of an effort, effort with representation. Um, like in STEMs for questions or like different scenarios they give us, they do try to include, um, you know, different pronouns or they'll include same sex couples. And um, so they try to be a little bit more inclusive. But again, that's something I've only really noticed in postgrad um and I think adding it more of that to just general discussion like like Connor said it's not just a once a year topic you know it's an everyday thing that should be brought up um and so the more we talk about it the more it becomes a normalized topic like it's no different to talking about heterosexual health um sexual health um and so yeah and I remember like um in undergrad like we did consent and all that and it is always just a male and a female that's the only context it's ever brought up um but yeah so I think just talking about it more representation
0: yeah, yeah absolutely totally agree um do you feel that there's anything in healthcare that currently you're seeing like successes in like wins for the queer community
2: yeah for sure I, I think uh, Harrison touched on these Briefly, um, is that there is an active and a genuine effort to improve inclusivity. And, you know, I've seen this translated into my clinical placements as well, which are not so centralized, but having at the moment my senior registrar is, you know, an open ally. And there are a number of different initiatives that the hospital and the university sort of cooperate with to improve inclusivity. Um, And, you know, I think we are getting there. I think (laughs) it feels painfully slow at times and in some areas, but, you know, we are getting there. And I think, We should be excited about what the future holds for sure.
0: Amazing. Um, So something that I found really, really distressing while um, I was researching a couple of the stats in regards to sexual health and queer health um, was that there were significantly poorer health outcomes for queer individuals, so um, particularly in a sexual health context queer individuals are still disproportionately impacted. So examples of these include high prevalences of STIs and bloodborne viruses, such as syphilis, HIV, chlamydia, gonorrhea, hepatitis, and Um, In addition to like all of the stigma and discrimination that they already face in healthcare settings, which I assume would have a really significant impact on like health seeking behaviors as well in the community. So um, how well do you think well, we've already kind of touched on this, um, but how well do you think current school and university curriculums handle queer health, sexual health, safe sex, and sex related topics?
2: Yeah, that's a big one. Um, I, I guess the first part of that is how well do you think current school curriculums handle it? I think school curriculums handle it shit, at least from my personal experience going to a public school. Um, you know, it's very binary, very male, female, straight sex. I, I mean, I left year 12 with. Virtually no knowledge of queer sexual health or sexual identity at all, which is terrible. Um, And I think our university is getting there. You know, we are, even in my time, my four years at Monash, there have been a significant number of improvements and efforts to uh, adapt and change the curriculum, but that work is ongoing and it will be ongoing for a while. Um, I think the main thing for me as a queer person is. Seeing initiatives and changes in curriculum that are both long-lasting but also not just tokenistic. I think you know that's an element of it that we don't want. And we do we do want this to be value content, not just another tick box. That's a huge part for me.
1: Yeah, I suppose I I've had a very similar experience, like the school curriculum. My God, so many areas to improve. Um, same as Connor. I left not only not having a Um, idea of um, sexual identity um, and no discussion of queer related health topics but I I know that my school even in terms of sexual health in general it was sort of yeah a bit half half safe sex again bitish I remember having friends being like oh no like I won't get pregnant he pulled out or like even the whole why do gay people and that use condoms? Like, it's not like they can get pregnant. Like, my God. Um, So leaving school with those, like, and they were discussions I had in year 12. And you'd think by the age of where you're coming to 18 and stuff, you'd think you'd have a bit more of, like, there would be better education around sex-related topics, but it just really didn't sink in for a lot of people. And I noticed there was a real lack of, those sort of discussions as we got into the older years, it's almost like the school thought, oh, okay, we gave them the birds and the bees when they were younger. We don't really need to cover it again when they're older. Like my school didn't even really cover consent. Like I didn't hear about consent and what proper consent is and everything until I got to first year uni and I was living on res where they make it a really good good effort to discuss what consent is and everything. But even then, it still lacked that queer health, sexual health aspect. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it comes back to I find it really interesting is all of my sexual health teaching at school was done by phys ed teachers. Um, and it would actually be great to have, you know, people that specialize in sexual health or queer health to come in and speak to us. I mean, the, yeah, it wasn't so long ago that I was a lost 15 year old, you know, so definitely. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I totally agree as well. I have a slightly different experience. I came from a private girl school in Metro Melbourne and still the sexual health education and the queer education was extremely substandard compared to all of the resources that we could have potentially had in that area. Mm. So we probably only had like one workshop over what, five years discussing queer health and discussing pronouns and everything, which was, I guess, in a sense progressive, but it's still not enough. And then we barely had any discussion on safe sex practices barely anything on STIs. And I didn't even know how to put on a condom <laughs> in high school, so. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, how about within university? So I guess, um, Harry, having gone through medicine now and also pre-medicine, how do you find the sexual health and queer health related topics if, I guess, just like queer and sexual topics um, in university?
1: Yeah, again, like I said earlier, I find postgrad to be a lot. It It's making a more genuine effort. And it's also something I've noticed a lot more, like being within the community, I noticed the efforts a lot more. And in undergrad, it was like, we're an inclusive university. Like, it was a very general sense of inclusion that I find that postgrad, they make sure to touch on different minority groups and make sure that we're made aware of um, the issues that affect each of those groups. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've noticed coming into postgrad was they try to really connect the community that they're talking about, they, that like they try and give students exposure to people within that community. So for example, me, I got um, involved with the Queer Health Collective group because we had a lecture given by people within that group. And they said, you know, here are our contact details. Like they made a real big effort to, um, open the door for communication. And it was a very open forum. That's the other thing that's really stands out is that when you get to postgrad, it's an open discussion. People are often afraid to ask questions, but they make it very clear, like, you know, that we are all learning. Like I, there are definitely areas where I would need to improve my knowledge, even within my own community. And so that's something I've noticed a lot in postgrad that those efforts are being made more. And you get to talk to people who are a lot more diverse.
0: Absolutely amazing. I'm so glad that we're actually moving forward with this, because I just feel like the progression has been so, so painfully slow. And we know that this has been a really important topic for ages. And it's only taking us decades of time to get to where we should be in terms of queer health and sexual health. Um, So just a final question, um, how do you feel sexual health and queer health could be improved overall within the community? So like, how can we integrate it better into our social societies?
2: Yeah, that's huge. That's a huge question. (laughs) Um, I mean, I think a great place to start would actually be going to looking at what causes the discrepancies in queer and sexual health um, from the rest of the community. You know, there is so much, so many modifiable factors that start at home and start at school and start, you know, when you're growing up. I think education and shifting societal attitudes to continue to sort of break down stigma against queer individuals will be huge in that. Um, and then on the other side, making sure that our health professionals are fully trained and competent in uh, queer and sexual health related issues, you know, not just one quiz in you know, their four year degree, it needs to be an ongoing and assessed um, and something that's held accountable, I think, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think um, kind of bringing up the modifiable stuff in childhood, um, last semester I actually chose to do this. We had a um, an assignment on how social factors influence determinants of health and so it was interesting, Marion, you bringing up the um, that the queer community often has worse worth health outcomes and during the research that I did for that I found that a lot of it is due to not having a fixed sort of sense of community when they're younger because even racial minority groups even though they're um, there's racism and they're often stigmatized against they have one another it's a very strong sense of you know we're being stigmatized but at least we've got our own community whereas that's often a thing that's lacking for a lot of queer people and that is in part the way that um society is and the way that they're brought up at home um and another it seems so simple, but another area that I think is very important that is kind of something that healthcare professionals can change almost immediately would be, I've remembered searching up GPs and trying to pick one that I might want to go to at a certain clinic. And they've had in their profile, like interested in men's health, interested in women's health. I'd love to see one that said interested in queer health. Cause that to me, I would be so more, so much more comfortable going to a doctor that had that. Like mm. I could just pick them straight off the website and go, yep, that's someone I want to
0: go and see. And it's to, it does seem like that we're probably going to be heading there soon. If not, maybe we'll be the ones to change that because it is coming, like even pronouns are coming onto social media platforms now. So maybe yeah. that's the next big thing in healthcare. Yep. <laughs> Great, so, so thank you so much to both of you for your time today. It's really, really valuable. And actually, I'm finding it extremely comforting to hear from both of you. And I'm so grateful to have heard all of your insights today. Um, did you have any final statements that you wanted to leave with our listeners today?
2: Stay fierce. Nice <laughs> five,
0: lockdown, <laughs>
1: honeys. Yeah. Yeah. Treat yourself, be kind to yourself, and keep an open mind.
0: Brilliant. Just those little steps that we're taking to improve and destigmatize sexual and queer health. So thanks to you both again. And please feel free to join us next time on our next episode of Good Vibes.